Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Life in the Wildlands podcast, where we discuss exciting opportunities without our careers, share professional experiences, and provide advice to overcome the hurdles to federal employment. I am your host, Becky Schufelt, and today we have Serena King, who is a recreation technician for the El Dorado National Forest in California, and she's going to explain what it is to be a recreation technician, share her journey to permanent employment in the Forest Service, and provide advice for those that want to enter into a forestry career. Thank you for joining us, Serena. Go ahead and tell us more about yourself. Hey, Becky, thanks for having me. Um, like you said, my name is Serena King. Um, I am a long-term seasonal turned permanent employee with the Forest Service. I've been on several forests, helped out on a few others that I wasn't officially assigned to. Pretty much spent my entire career in recreation and uh, it's it's been pretty fun. So Serena, how did you initially get into the Forest Service? I was working at a construction company and this guy came in and asked if I wanted to work outside and uh, you know I didn't know what the job was. I, I knew the forestry forest service, I shouldn't say forestry, was always there because it was just down the road from my house, but I never really considered it as a career. They were just the smoky bear people. And uh, he he asked if I wanted a job and brought me some information and it looked fun. And I figured it would just be a cool way to earn money for the summer. And little did I know I was hooked and never left. So what got you hooked initially with working for the Forest Service? It was fun and it was uh, the, the people I met were awesome. The, the jobs we did were awesome. And it was different getting to meet some of the people and, and learn about the different departments and the things they were doing, timber and, and hydrology and, and everything that was happening behind the scenes that most people don't know about to kind of help further the planet was really awesome to see. And even in the campgrounds as a kid, I didn't know everything that went into it. I didn't know all the rules and regulations that I was breaking until I learned what they were and different impact those you know rules that we as recreators think are dumb actually have on the, the environment. So yeah, I know that you had some experiences with educating youth as well. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I got to work with a few different, we got to work with a few different organizations. There was a lot of behind the scenes stuff that if you don't work for the agency that you don't really know about. I, I didn't know hydrology existed and I knew, I knew there were you know timber folk out in the woods. I just didn't know what they did. And up where I was working, there's this, uh, it's this root disease that kills trees. And I had no idea that, you know, all the mitigations that were being put in place to kind of protect these large stands of, of cedar trees from this root disease. And that was hydrology and timber and fisheries and everybody working together to protect this, this one large stand of trees. And it was really cool to see. So that was one aspect of it. And then the other aspect was everybody thinks recreation is all fun and games. And it is, but a lot of it is, is education. A lot of people just don't know. I'll be the first to admit that before I started working here, there was a lot of stuff that I just didn't know about leave no trace and about campground management and, and the way to properly act um, at the rivers and, and different lakes and things. And one of the things I got to participate in, well, two of the things that I got to participate in my first year was the fishing derby at Fish Lake which I had attended as a kid. 
as a participant, but never got to see the behind the scenes part, which was really cool to learn about. And then we had the fish fair, which I also participated in when I was in school, but I got to go back and be a presenter and see the way that the kids were learning and learning about environmental science and things like that. And it was awesome. And that's kind of what got me hooked was just seeing how a, a good foundation can build someone's environmental passion. And you also were involved with youth programs at the actual schools teaching water safety, correct? Yes. Yeah, we did a couple water safety programs, which was really cool. I had growing up on the rivers as a kid, I had gone rafting and participated in, in these activities. And there was a lot that I knew just from what you learn firsthand. But I was even learning in those programs, the, the water safe and working with the um, California Department of Boating and Waterways and, and being a part of those programs. It was really cool. So what are the outcomes of those types of programs? How was that helping the community? I mean, I would like to think that the water safety program was helping the community in, in preventing water-related deaths. Uh, there were a, a lot of kids who started wearing life jackets and being a little more cautious when it came to how early you can go to the river and, and things like that. So you've been a seasonal Forest Service employee since you started with the Forest Service. And then from what I know, you got involved and accepted into a position with the American Conservation Experience Program. Uh, what is the American Conservation Experience and how has that helped you develop your career? So the American Conservation Experience is kind of an outdoor education, I want to say internship program. The part that I was involved in was the resource assistance program, which was technically a, it's a fellowship. So I was, I applied for, went through the interview process and was hired on for this fellowship with ACE is the acronym for the American Conservation Experience. And I was placed with a forest service unit and I was doing the duties that would be equivalent to a GS7 while I was working for ACE, but I was doing that with the forest service. And through the program that I was in, I had to do a certain number of hours and meet a set of criteria. And at the end of that, if I completed it successfully, if ACE was happy with me, if the forest service partners were happy with me, I received a certificate of direct hire authority, which meant that for positions that were being filled permanent positions within the Forest Service or any uh, agency that were being flown as special hiring authority, I could apply with that um, direct hire authority. It made hiring, it took away a few of the hurdles and it's not to say that it made it easier. Um, I mean, I had to work very hard to receive that certificate. So it made it easier when it got to the USA jobs part of it, but it was a, a great program. <laughs> I learned a lot. What was the criteria that you had to meet in order to get the direct hire authority or graduate from the program? So it, I had, you're given a, a set number of hours, 1,040 hours that you're allowed to utilize in this program. And you have to physically work or be present for 960 of those hours, which doesn't really, doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're, when you're doing it, it is. And then the, the agency as most listeners know, or most don't, because they're trying to get into the agency, they have set job criteria for different GS levels. And you had to also not only meet ACE's requirements, but you had to be able to fulfill the job duties that you were placed as. So I had to be able to fully fulfill the duties of a GS7 with the Forest Service. 
and meet ACES criteria in order to receive my certificate. So you talk about GS7, and that's a pay grade, I assume. Can you tell me a little bit more about what it would take to qualify as a GS7? So when I yeah. started with the Forest Service, my job as a seasonal employee was trash and toilets. I picked up trash campgrounds and I cleaned the toilets. And I started as a GS3. That's usually entry level. And then after a full year, so two seasons, you move up to the next level if you qualify and if department you're working for has the funding. So a GS3 is entry level for absolutely no experience or degree, right? And yes. what I understand is that a GS5, somebody that has graduated with a bachelor's degree in natural resources might qualify for a five, but you have yes. to put in, you have to put in about a year or so to qualify for the GS7. Yeah, that's what I was just getting ready to, to talk about was the degree that gets you the five. And then, yeah, you generally, it says that you need to have at least one full year of qualified experience at the five level before you can qualify for the seven level. It sounded like you went through some challenges even after you got the ACE hiring authority after you finished the program. Can you tell me going from ACE how were those struggles in trying to use that direct hiring authority to put you in a permanent position? I'm going to preface this by saying that my struggles are not necessarily the same struggles that other people who complete the RAP program will face. Um, I know there was one other RAP uh, fellow on the same forest unit that I was on that faced the same struggles. So there was, there was one other person on the unit, on this forest unit that kind of faced the same struggles that I did. And it wasn't from the lack of the ACE program or the need for us, but at the time, the ranger district that we were assigned to was going through what is considered a, a it's called a reorganization. So they were taking two ranger districts and kind of merging them into one ranger district, which meant at that point, now you're gonna have basically two of everything, two two rec officers, two fire management officers, two, two of everything, and you, you don't really need that. So they were kind of in this holding pattern where they weren't gonna hire anybody new until they decided whether or not they were gonna fully commit to the reorg or not. And then our forest supervisor retired. So now we're definitely in a holding pattern because you can't move forward and you can't move backwards once this reorg starts. And then we had to kind of wait until we got a new forest supervisor. And then once that happened, you know, it's not instantaneous because he's got to get into the job and he's got to understand everything that's going on. So we were kind of in a limbo area for a while. And they finally decided, the forest supervisor decided that he wanted to keep the district separate. So then they had to look at what's called an, an org chart, the organizational chart to determine where the needs are for new employees or where we can, we have too many people or however that's gonna, you know, shake out. In the end, it worked out for myself and the other guy on the unit um, because they did determine that the positions that we had been interns for or fellows for were positions that were needed and they were able to fill them permanent. And because of the direct hire authority, we went through what's considered a conversion process because we were seasonal employees on the forest already and we had those certificates, we still had to apply, but the, the process was a lot easier for us because once we applied and they realized that, you know, when the, the list came out and we were both kind of at the top of the list, it was really easy to just convert us straight to permanent. 
sounds like the situation that you went through might be circumstantial. So that might not necessarily occur with other resource assistant programs. Yeah, that's, that's why I prefaced it with our situation was kind of unique. It might not be the same struggles that, that other people have. So can you tell me what was your biggest hurdle to gaining a permanent position with the agency other than the challenges you went through with the RAP program? There's not a lot of lower level permanent positions in recreation. Most positions in recreation are seven and above. And if you're trying to get in in rec and you're trying to get in at the level that you're at, there, there's really not a lot. That, that I would say is the biggest challenge. Most rec techs are seasonals because the, the, it's just not there. There's a need for them. I can see, you know, working in rec long enough that having even permanent seasonals, the same crew every year that are a permanent seasonal for the Forest Service is someone who's a, a permanent employee. They're guaranteed their job, but they still get laid off at the end of the season. They, they have the winter off and then come back in the spring. And I could definitely see a need for that. There's just not a lot of it. But it sounds like with the agency that might be starting to take a little turn as they, you know, leadership in the agency realizes that in order to retain folks, maybe they need to start, you know, advertising some of these, what would have normally been temporary positions at a GS5 level, let's say, into permanent seasonal positions. I hope so, because we, we could definitely use that, you know. I always thought that that should be the case, but it does sound like overall that that's becoming more of an accepted and impossible way, direction with the agency to move forward and help retain folks. And unfortunately for people like you and I, we just weren't on that boat. Um, you know, we started our careers many, many years ago, and I'm happy to see that it's possible that the agency is moving more forward in that way. Yeah, I'm glad that I get to be here now during this time to see it happen because it's something that definitely needs to happen and, and I hope I do get to see it during my career. Me too. Let me ask then, what is your next move with your career? What do you plan to do from here? Well, I know for sure that I want to spend a little bit of time in the position that I was just hired in, whether it's you know a year or two or more. I don't know at this time, but I, I know I want to stay at this level for a little bit. I feel like there's still a lot at the, the GS7 level that I need to learn and that I'm more than willing to learn. I wouldn't mind ending up as a, a rec officer or even an assistant rec officer at some point in my career, um, but I fully believe that I, I need to learn everything I can at the level I'm at before I move up to the next one. Absolutely. And that's what I always recommend to folks is get that solid experience at the ground level and work your way up and stay in a grade pay, you know, like a GS5 for three years or a GS7 for at least three years. Just stay in the position for three years. That's what it takes to really get to know a job before you try to keep moving forward up the, the career ladder. I fully agree with you on that. Otherwise, if you get into a leadership position, you may not understand what your folks are going through. And that's really important to make informed decisions about the program and be able to also support the people that you will be supervising in a leadership position as a GS9 or well, as a GS7, 9, 11, and up. I 100% I, I agree with you on that. I, 
you said it perfectly. I don't think I could say it any better, honestly. All right. So I know that in my 21 years of experience in the Forest Service, I've developed a lot of skills I probably wouldn't have working for the agency. And I've gotten to do a lot of different <laughs> activities that I got paid to do. And those were the days where I was like, wow, I am getting paid to do this right now. And it is awesome. So what skills or experiences can you share that, you know, you're excited about when you go out into the field? What is your most favorite thing to do out there? Well, I'll start with skills. There are a lot of skills that I do have that I don't think I would have gotten outside of the agency. I'm a chainsaw operator. I'm a boat captain. Just there's a lot of little things as well, but trailer towing something I don't think about often, but I honestly don't think I would have been a trailer operator outside of the agency. As far as experiences go, I've had some really awesome ones. A uh, few that come to mind, I got to uh, ride a horse through the Marble Mountain Wilderness, which was pretty epic. If you've never been, I highly suggest going. Um, that's something I know I never would have done outside of the agency. Oh, I was, I got to work in a rainforest in Washington, which also something I don't think I ever would have done outside of the agency. But right now, kind of my favorite thing to do at my current position when I get to do it is being a boat captain. My district has four lakes and you can operate a motorboat on three of them. And there's a lot of dispersed camping there along the different shorelines of the lake. And we also have a campground that's, you know, basically hike in or boat in only. It's a four mile hike or a quick, you know, 20 minute one way boat ride. We've got composting toilets there. So we have to go out like once a week to take care of those. And we also go to the other lakes and clean up the, the far side of the shore that you can't drive to where people disperse camp. And as the boat captain, there's, there's now two of us. For a while there, it was only me. You obviously have to be on the boat. So that was pretty cool getting to, to go out at least once a week on the boat. That's the that that's my I can't believe I'm being paid to do this moment. So you get paid to be a boat captain. You're driving a boat on a lake reservoir and you spend a lot of time doing that. So when you're actually out patrolling for these dis dispersed camping sites, what are you doing when you're out there? So we're still making public contacts. We we pull up on the shore and we talk to people about pack it in, pack it out. Leave no trace camping. Um, we are in full uniform. We do take enforcement action when we do see people violating the CFRs, which is the Code of Federal Regulations. Like, for instance, campfires when we're in fire restrictions or if we see people pulling away from the shore after they've just left a big bag of trash where they were staying. For the most part, it's a lot of public contacts and a lot of cleanup. We, we use the boat to... My number one thing I hate the most, and I won't even own one because I hate them so much, are easy ups. People take them out onto the far side of the shoreline, the wind comes, they break the legs, and then they leave them there as a big ugly blue beacon on the far side of the beach. So we got to take the boat over and dismantle them and, and bring them back. And, and we do a lot of just shoreline cleanup where you can't get to it on foot. It sounds like what you're doing is, you know, you're making public contacts 
to educate the public on, you know, how to protect the resources while they're out there recreating. And then you're also going to clean up messes that people that may not have those environmental ethics or, or understand it, you're out there cleaning it to make mm -hmm. sure that you're protecting the resource. Uh, that sums it up pretty good. Do you have any advice for anyone that's trying to get a job with the agency, whether it's temporary employment, permanent employment, um, you know, any advice for any other Native Americans that might want to try to get into this field? Be patient. <laughs> that's, that's my biggest piece of advice is just be patient. This is an amazing agency to work for but you definitely have to be willing to put in the time to get to where you need to be to be able to get the permanent positions. I personally almost gave up a couple times. I know a few people that have, but just, just be patient. If you truly love what you do, it's worth it. How would you suggest, or what is the best advice you can give for somebody that's never been um, an employee with the agency that will help set them up for success? Build your resume properly, because there is a huge difference between a government agency resume and a private industry resume. I found that out the hard way. Private industry resumes are usually three pages max. My government resume is 19 pages because if it's not written in there, it did not exist and you didn't really do it. I don't care how many times you say you did, you can say it till you're blue in the face, but if it's not on your resume, you didn't do it. So that would be my biggest piece of advice is to build a better resume. And if you don't know how, seek help. Personally, I suggest life in the wildlands. I mean, before, Becky was life in the wildlands. I received help from her for my resume. I also suggest if you have the ability, seek out a mentor. It was suggested by Becky for me to take, but it put me on the radar of people who could help me get my permanent position. Know what you need to do. If, you, if you're stuck and you don't know where to go, find somebody who can help you. To sum it all up, Make sure you get, have a significantly well-built resume and you have somebody that you can talk to, somebody who can help you further your career and tell you the next steps, especially if you've been stuck for a while. I have gone to Becky at Life in the Wildlands many times before she became Life in the Wildlands and I've gone to her since she's become Life in the Wildlands and she knows what she's talking about. I suggest, uh, I suggest checking them out. Thank you so much, Serena, for sharing your story and some helpful information for folks that might be wanting to pursue an outdoor career in recreation management. And thank you to our audience for listening in today with us. See you next time. Okay. For more stories about outdoor careers, subscribe to the Life in the Wildlands podcast where I will be interviewing outdoor professionals to discover exciting opportunities in outdoor careers, share professional experiences, discuss the hurdles to federal employment, and provide advice on how to overcome these challenges. And if you're interested in outdoor jobs and don't know where to start, or if you already are a federal employee with an outdoor career that's struggling to make it to the next level in your career development, Life in the Wildlands can help you on your journey check out our career counseling and federal resume development services at www.lifeinthewildlands.com or call 
888 488 